Alright, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 115 of the Often Beat Podcast. I am again your host, Clint Nelson. Before we start today's podcast, of course, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, follow on any podcast app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and most importantly, as I forgot to mention in the beginning of the last pod, suck some titties! And, uh... Yeah, today's podcast episode of The Often Beat with Clint Nelson. The title of today's episode, as you probably already read, is called Cynical Lover Boy. Hmm. Um, my original, actually, for today's episode, I had a complete different show I was going to do. But, <clears throat> Uh, something came up where I felt like this covering this actually is a little bit more actually relevant, you know, actually somewhat current because you know what? It's a situation that actually directly matters to me. And by the way, recording this at 12.04 a.m. technically, a little after midnight, technically now February 22nd of 2022. I realize I keep saying 2021, but it's not. But yeah, uh, Sam Hunt, uh, my favorite artist, and that is not an exaggeration when I say that. I literally mean my favorite artist. Um, His wife has filed a divorce. Now, this is not the gossip channel. I I, Honestly, I'm not really going to get into, oh, why do you think she left him and all this stuff like That part doesn't really interest me, nor is that part really our business, unless it comes out. I'm okay with talking about people's situations if it's already public knowledge. I don't understand when people are like, oh, oh, you know, you should just let them be private. It's like, I I don't know. They made a whole statement about it, and they haven't, but it's legal information. It's been covered on many publications, so I feel okay talking about it. Um... Well, my personal, I would say I'm probably close to a fanboy of Sam Hunt than an actual fan. I'm not your average fan of him. Like, I, I literally have listened to his songs on repeat on a daily basis. When I used to deliver, literally, I will just be blasting all of his music at a time. He's a fascinating, he's a fascinating uh, artist and his lyricism, personally. Now, for y'all that don't know, he's a country quote-unquote superstar a lot of people say he's not country but for the sake of argument we're going to say he's a country superstar because without him i would not have listened to actual quote-unquote what people call other country superstars and i've covered a podcast episode where i actually compared drake and sam hunt he's considered the drake uh the drake of country in a lot of ways but uh getting back to the actual story look I want to talk about Sam Hunt today because you know why? It's my fucking podcast and I kind of can. And if I want to talk about it, you want to hear about it. That's why I look at this because it matters to me. Um, Now, his wife filed for divorce because apparently he committed the old adultery. You know, he committed, you know, cheating, which, okay. Not the, 
Not the worst thing anyone's ever done. Probably one of the most common things people get divorced for. That part's not really that big a deal in the grand scheme of things from an outside standpoint. Obviously, for their relationship, it matters a lot, right? But this isn't your average situation, okay? Apparently, which no one knew this, she is six months pregnant. Six or seven months pregnant with his child. Um, so the timing can look a certain way, right? Oh, so you're going to be pregnant with someone's child for six months and get a divorce? You don't do that to the child. People are going to get into, that's not good for the child and all this. And I'm like, you know, and I'll be honest, I've grown in a lot of ways. Because if you would ask me two, three years ago, I'd be like, no, that's terrible for the child. I know what he did was bad. But you know what? This stuff can be worked through and stuff. It's not the end of the world. You know, it's all about the child and all this. It's like. But as I've as as I've grown and matured, you kind of realize that it, that's not always not everything can really be worked through, and you can't just do everything for quote unquote the sake of the child because if a child knows that you can't stand each other, uh, that's actually probably going to cause more harm. Now to get into the actual legal filings. Um, just to give a little backstory, then I'm actually going to get into something that I feel like is actually currently relevant in today's society regarding this. I feel like it's, but this one's not probably going to be one of the funnier podcasts ever, but I do think it's a very important one. It's going to be a paradigm shift when, you know, when people say they have general podcasts where they talk about anything and they really just talk about the same three things. And it basically after like six months of doing it they just end up talking about politics and vaccines all the time it's like all right so you don't really just talk about any and everything you just slowly talk about the same things but okay whatever we're gonna go kind of deeper irrelevant stuff here um first of all let me say is this situation uh, is someone cheating or adultery gonna stop you from listening to their music no i'll be honest and it shouldn't, to be pretty frank about it. Um, we've list, we still listen to people's music who have done egregiously a million times worse things than just cheating on a partner. Blake Shelton's notorious for basically cheating on Marie, Miranda Lambert in the country community. Like, if we're going to be honest, most artists have probably cheated on their spouse. I'm not saying that makes it right. I'm not saying too wrong, make it wrong. I'm not saying just because you're this, this just comes with it. But at the same time, if you know anything about Sam Hunt's history, and if you've ever listened to his music, this shouldn't come as a complete shock. And as someone who enjoys his music, do people grow in their music? Of course. But this man dropped an album in 2014 called Montevello. Why is that important? For the non-Sam Hunt listeners, Montevello is a town or city in Alabama where literally was her, his wife's hometown. Now, they weren't really quote-unquote together then. They were kind of together. She didn't want to be with him for the... It was a combination of lifestyle. I'm not trying to get behind the scenes in their relationship. This stuff that he's talked about. And if you listen to his music, you pick up in between. Basically... She did not really want to be part of him at this time in his life because she didn't like what he was seeing. 
he had pro- even though she had the strong affinity love for him. This dude, when he blew up off the number one, like, new country album ever, like, in terms of first country album put out by an artist, is literally, like, the biggest debut album in the history of country music. He blew up. He was a songwriter for years. This album, I like, not many artists actually know a lot of this shit, but I've done a lot of... He's a fascinating dude. He's actually from... A town not far from where I grew up and there's a lot of things that personally relate and where we're typically like pretty quiet humble down-to-earth people but we have a lot of these kind of secular demons in a lot of ways that would surprise a lot of people and it it kind of a it's kind of like an offsetting characteristic that doesn't match what we bring to the table but you know from one white man to another um yeah, he, <laughs> uh, I guess you can take your time and process that one. Oh, Jesus, sorry, starting with the references. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm not going to lie. There's going to be a lot of Sam Hunt song references here. I, I know him too well. I know him way too well. So uh, come over, oh, Jesus, and enjoy. Uh, but yeah, I'm just bottling, I'm just bottling it up. All these puns for this pod. I'm sorry. <laughs> Or no, seriously, back to the thing. Um, he's a he's a dude that where is that? Oh yeah, so Montevello essentially they weren't really together like that. It was kind of like they were kind of together, but she had apprehensions. And all you have to do if you don't believe me is literally a good portion of those songs, almost all of them really, that aren't like house party, leave the night on, uh, raise on it. All the songs are literally resemblance of her. And he has said this in interviews back in the day. They're all about a girl. This one girl. And it was her. And then, okay. Album drops 2014. Biggest star in the country music, whatever. Years and years, he's not really dropping singles or nothing. Then he drops, um, I don't remember which order, but in the same year he dropped his biggest single to date. Body Like a Back Road. I think he actually dropped it a year. But Body Like a Back Road, you guys bro. Got a girl from the south side. Got braids in her hair. First time I've seen her walk by. Minimal fell up on my chair. Had to get her number. Took me like six weeks. Now me and her go way back. Like Cadillac seats. Basically, you have probably heard that on repeat. To every Target. Duncan. Star 94. Any radio station. It's literally one of the biggest singles, like, in the Billboard the past five or six years. Not even an exaggeration. Um, But there's another one that he dropped on SoundCloud called 2017, literally called Drinking Too Much. Now, for context, he was already back with her at this point, I believe. But I think they were in the process of kind of rekindling. But he, he dropped a, a basically a spoken word song called Drinking Too Much. Where it's literally like a Marvin's Room of Drake. This is where he gets the comparisons. It's like a Marvin's Room self um, plea out to her. Where he's not just saying... He literally starts off the song. Let me remember how it goes like... Shit, I forgot how the beginning of the song go. But basically, I can name some references. 
where you just get peaches down in Pelham. I know you want your privacy. I know you want nothing to do with me. I hope you let me pay off your student loans with these songs you gave to me. Which is referencing her. The whole song is literally about, I'm going to drink it all till you're not around. Basically, he has a drinking problem. Which came years later, literally a couple years ago, when he got a DUI. And I believe 2020 is actually a pretty egregious situation. He's literally driving on the wrong side of the highway. And he has mentioned in a lot of his songs where drinking is a pretty thing he has struggled with, right? Um, in his song 2016, which is referencing the in-between, and he literally took years off from making music and putting music out there to quote-unquote get his life together. And get his life together literally means win her back. And this man went to Hawaii, I'm not even exaggerating, seven times to win this girl back. Ah, hey, I gotta admit to you, man, no matter how much I love a girl, Hawaii's a pretty expensive trip. We're just gonna have to fix it all in one trip, man. Um, it's like, hey, we're just gonna, if we have to take a three-month Hawaii trip and I got it like that, then we gotta do it like that. I'm not going back and forth seven times. I don't want no jet lag. But in the sun, drinking too much, basically the fast forward, he says, Hannah Lee, I'm on my way to you, which is the girl who he marries. Okay, cool beans. It all works out. Now, you could say, really, uh, the song's problematic for a lot of different ways. And a lot of girls will say it's cute and stuff. And then there's a lot of people who are like, actually, this is pretty fucking creepy. And I like the dude. He's my favorite artist. But even sometimes, like, damn, bro. Like, honestly, man, if you weren't in the shape you had, you were, and you couldn't sing and play guitar, this would be creepy as fuck. <laughs> but hey, man, it's amazing what being able to sing can do for you but even if you listen to a lot of his music and if you want to be nitpicking criticism which honestly i'm not here to nitpick artists and how they write the song because i actually enjoy it otherwise i wouldn't listen on repeat i think it's actually sometimes okay to have a cynical point of view in your music because i'm not it's not my job to speak for everyone else to try to understand someone else my job is to make like, if most of his songs, like, Break Up Song, Break Up in a Small Town, uh, you know, Make You Miss Me is a great example. He's literally, I'm gonna make you miss me. Basically, like, bitch, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try so hard, and excuse the bitch, because obviously that's not what you would call her, but in this situation, it's like toward, like, resentment towards someone for, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna do so many things to make you remember me, and to make sure you don't miss me. And it's like, I'm going to stain in your mind no matter what the hell. And it's, yeah, hey, look, man, it's toxic culture. Gotta love it. But you know what? And people say that's toxic and shit. And you know what? Maybe it is. But you know what? That's his point of view. Now, you could say he kind of plays like this passive aggressive. He re- actually, not even, pay- he pays this, he plays the aggressive victim, I would like to call in his older music, like in Southside album 2020, it's a little bit more you can tell he's like kind of settled down and married. Well, he has a song called Kim Folks That. I bet you wouldn't. My parents thought I would never settle down out on the porch. Ain't it funny how these things change? I want to introduce you to my Kim Folks. He has a song called Sitting With You, where it's literally about, I never felt like I was sitting with you. I always felt like I could talk to God in the morning. We're basically... And I think this kind of furthers into the point of this situation that I think Sam Hunt is a complex individual, like a lot of people. 
I think he's on the right. Like, he has struggled with kind of the balance of um, fame and stuff and imposter syndrome and that he doesn't view himself and how everyone else views him. Because he's even on the record in a Bobby Bones interview that, you know, to him, music is just a talent, but he gets revered so much for it when he feels like, of course, you know, the most important things are your integrity, you know, how, you know, what you do and how you treat people type of thing, you know, the whole schmo blame. Yeah, that's cool. No one's hear that shit, right? <laughs> um, but he's definitely, and you feel it like you feel like this is a guy who, and he's not really active on social media. Not that I'm really on social media, but he's even when I had him, even when I was on social media, he wasn't that active. Only when his album dropped, would he drop like snippets of stuff before it dropped. Uh, but he's definitely dude that kind of has an embattled relationship with religion. He definitely has like, you know, he definitely has an embattled relationship with alcohol. And literally the song 2016, the first song on his, uh, Southside album, which is actually a pretty critically acclaimed song. It's just like an acoustic stripped down battle, which is a lot different than what typically people expect from him. It's that I put the whiskey back in the bottle, put the smoke back in the joint. And he's referencing the song 2016. And I'm not doing the Southside album breakdown, even though I feel like I could really break down any of his music. But it's definitely, he's referencing that year of his life. I drive a thousand miles to your house. Walk in like I walked out, put the tears back in your eyes. Damn, this man's a poet. God, it's like there's a lot of regret from that year. So what he's telling you is that year was a defining moment in his life, where I think that was the year where he basically won her back or really thought to himself, "I fucked up with this girl." He made a huge mistake. Whatever happened, where when he got famous, he's like, "I'm going to be fucking famous, bro." And I don't think he really went in with that mentality, but he's like, she don't want to be with me, fine. I'm going to go out here, and I'm going to find it through all these girls type of shit. And boy, I'm sure he did. Look at the guy. I'm sure he found a lot of girls. Um, and you can hear it in his music. Uh, in the South, it's a lot of regret. It's a lot of, he was a lost individual in drinking, uh, getting lost in girls. Literally saw a single for the summer. Uh, why do I love all these city girls, the pretty eyes, down on the mumbering, broken-hearted rich girls, uh, you know, trying to scatter the lyrics in my head, basically, the debit cards, they don't know how pretty they are, holding hands and remember their name, holding hands, but can't remember their name, it's like, this dude definitely was like, I had so many girls, I just held their hands, and I don't remember any of their names. Uh, but look, getting back to, I guess, the origin, don't want to veer off too much, but kind of set for the non-Sam Hunt uh, dedicated avid listeners. He has a very, it's kind of, where he gets a Drake is, you can definitely tell in his personal life, this dude definitely kind of has a, he really wants that, he really wants that thing with someone. But he has a lot of these personal demons that he battles with. A lot of embattlements that kind of uh, have this struggle with it, right? And um, let, let's just get back to the divorce, right? So he's getting divorced. 
six months. She's six months pregnant. And another interesting thing I found in the file, which I believe kind of is what I'm more worried about, because I don't think it just means that she's basically in the... Basically what she filed is she wants alimony, separate housing, and everything, right? One of the things in the clauses that really caught an eye at me, right, was when it said, essentially... It's almost like he's co-inhabitable to be around. Meaning, he has... There's problematic behaviors with him. I'm not here to... Look, I'm just going to go off what I hear in the music. Bass, it could be alcohol. It could be this man's kind of... He's kind of a loose cannon. And one thing I will say is just because he's my favorite artist doesn't mean I'm just going to let that go past doesn't mean I'm going to excuse bad behavior. I think we do that too much with artists where Kanye, oh, he's an artist. That's why he does all these crazy things. It's like, man, he's having mental breakdowns every three days. And then he want everyone to play Kanye victim. It's like, you know what? No one, we're not the biggest Kim Kardashian fans. But maybe the way he's reacting to it all doesn't really help his case. But it does kind of open the floodgates on something. And of course, I knew when I saw that, I knew what people were going to say, right? Alimony, separate housing. Oh, she got pregnant with this child, and now she wants to cash out. That is always the first reaction to a lot of this stuff. And although, in today's society, I get it, right? But at the same time, I think we need to be careful as men, because I'll be honest, I watched a few videos earlier today when all this stuff was happening. I was trying to find like coverage of it on YouTube, and it was typically just a bunch of dudes trying to cover on their live streams and stuff, and trying to break down why marriage sucks, and this is why men, you know, it does no good for men, and all this shit. It's like, look, man, uh, this wasn't just some girl that he got pregnant randomly, like. This man literally took six years, five, six years from dropping another album to get life right with this girl to win her back because of mistakes he's made. Uh, Changed man. He can't imagine life without her. He had this really hard love, like this undefinable love for her where he just, he's like, man, no matter how much, no matter how many threesomes I have a night, they're just not you. And this man really came around. He's like, maybe maybe it's just you that I want, right? Did all that repaired, repaired, repaired his marriage or whatever. Worked on it, worked on it. Moved in, now got her pregnant, and apparently cheated on her while she's pregnant with this child. I don't care what type of your preferences, of your whether you're monogamous, polygamous, whatever your situation is. If a woman is pregnant with your child and you're married and they were married for five years, you live in the same house. This isn't a situation where we're kind of this, we're kind of that. I don't know. We're separated. No, like they're full fledged married and he's having sex with other women while your wife is pregnant. Again, it's not something that's going to make me stop listening to his music. But then again, 
I'm not going to sit here and defend it either and try to say that's just what men do. Because you know what? If you if you can't hold it in for seven, eight, nine months, man, like then you know what? It does tell me that this dude really does have like problems. And I'm not even being funny in a lot of ways. Like, I don't care you say he's just expressing his high value. No. To me, you know what? I'm cheat, whatever, man. When you're when you're bringing life into this world with a woman that you've gone through hell and back to get, it's kind of hard for me to be like, man, like you did all that just to fuck it up like this. And I think it goes to show one that no matter I and this this has to come from a more mature standpoint because when you're young and in love, as a boy once was. Uh, when you're young and in love, you think that as long as, you know, you kind of, all you need is love and everything else doesn't matter. And obviously when you get older, not really, but you still have to have a true foundation of affection and love for someone and respect that goes beyond just what's easily definable, right? There's built-in, I call it built-in equity, that even when you don't quote-unquote love someone, but any more like that, but the built-in equity they've done by going through a lot with you and sticking with you and doing right by you, like they built that equity where they get benefit of the doubt and they may get an extra four years of marriage that wasn't deserved. But you know what? You have built-in equity because people did right by you. And this dude, like I said, went to Hawaii seven times and went her back, desperately plead for her in songs that... You can either look as extremely cute and vulnerable, or you can look extremely like, bruh, you literally said in the song, I know you don't want your name on social media. Then you put her in a song, and her name's all over social media. <laughs> like, um, And I think it just kind of shows that one thing, you know, um, shit, what was that? Uh, yeah, when I was watching these, videos I guess and the reactions and stuff all the whole thing was centered around how oh see look she's a gold digger she's this she's uh she she's just trying to cash out and whatever like see she waited and trapped him it's like the dude fucked some other girl while she was pregnant with his child uh I don't care what high value system are and you know what the funny part and I think I was watching the TMZ podcast and I watched the, the the one dude was trying to say, you know, you just don't do this because uh, he was trying to blame her type of shit where you just don't do this because it's it's not good for the child. And he always tried to put the child. It's funny how when people do wrong, they also want to use the child as a crutch to justify the wrongdoing to make it right. And that's where that shit gets really weird to me, because also one way you could look at it is, is because she was pregnant with his child. He could use the fact of using that. I'm not saying Sam did this, but I'm saying in general, when dudes do cheat on their spouses or their wife or whatever, when they're pregnant with their child and they're in a committed relationship, one of the justification, one thing is I think we justify in our head is like, well, the child is the most important thing. So I could do some fuck shit, apologize later and use the child as a crutch to still have my quote family, right? And that's a fucked up way of looking at it. 
Um, because that's pretty deceptive, manipulative, all that shit. You're literally using a child just so you can have your cake and eat it too. Quite literally, I guess. Um, and I think, you know, what, um, I think what this situation shows is that unblind, well, not blind, but that, that inseparable, uh, kind of very, um, I don't even want to say fantasy love, but that, that very, um, I'm really trying to fucking word this right, that very dangerous, I guess a very dangerous love, where you're willing to go to hell and back for things that maybe aren't really worth doing all that for, and sometimes love isn't enough. Sometimes your demons are going to outlive your love for someone. There's plenty of people that were madly in love, but the partner had to leave because they had a drinking problem. And honestly, I think if you want to get deeper into it, you know, I think really, I think I'm going to, because all the previous times where I'm assuming they had off and on relationships where he's admitting the fucking up and all this stuff at the beginning of the relationship. I'm going to say a lot of this similar stuff happened, right? But then make it right, win her back. Maybe he's a changed man. And she forgave maybe the old stuff because you're young. There's no real consequences. It's just them. And, but now this shit happens when you have a child in you. And I, I truly do believe that when you, most people, when they're bringing a child in this world, their whole, their whole mindset and how they view the world changes. Of course, when you have the child, your whole life changes for a lot of different reasons. But I think when that, you really do, you really start looking at your life and what you're bringing your child into. And I really think and I'm going to give her the benefit of doubt. I know this isn't cool to say as a dude. Um, I really think she kind of looked at it and be like, this environment with us, with this situation, with his issues as of right now, um, this is not a good environment to bring this child into. And simply, I'm not a fan, like I said before, I'm not a fan of people using kids at crutch, as crutches. To avoid things or to not address things. I don't think just because you have a kid, you're avoidant of responsibility. You're avoidant to hide behind your kid. But I also don't think you owe the public an explanation for why you're doing something for your kid. When you truly believe that this is what's going to actually be what's best for your child. I believe we live in a society where everyone's got to explain themselves for everything. It's like, not really. But... Um, I think going back to Sam, kind of breaking him down from his music, and you kind of pick up a lot of things, is you could kind of tell, like, this dude is always kind of seen fascinated with the past. And going back, and, you know, I'm going to go back to kind of his winning her back thing and my kind of theory and well not really theory but my idea about that is that I really do believe 
as someone who has won back someone, and I say that in quotations because you win back someone, but it's never really the same because of the jackassery and the fuckery you did for the reason you had the winner back in the first place. Um, there, there is a thrill, as if, and it doesn't sound as malicious. There is a thrill of winning someone back. Of doing all these things to prove to someone that I can make up for what I fucked up. I was a douchebag. I was an asswipe. And I've done this before. And I think a hard reality for one, just from personal experience, is that they can never really look at you the same. Depending on what it was for why you're winning them back in the first place. Like, it's never really the same. But also to realize that. You know, you do all this, you know, you put your all in the wind back. And then let's say you do get back together. Then you realize like, oh shit. Uh, I still suck at this relationship shit. Where it involves a lot of things that I'm not 100% comfortable with. Which it could be, for most people's like communication. It could be just, uh, what does this person need from me? And am I willing to do that to meet them even though it's not myself how much of myself do I kind of you know shed to kind of feel for this other person and vice versa and like are you really happy with this person like do you enjoy being around this person too they enjoy being around you and you realize like oh this was fun winning you back and there's a thrill I would assume as a person being chased of wow this person's really trying to Make it right. And there's something about that that's admirable. And then there's that whole chase. The build up. It's so high intensity. And then you're back together. And then. It's back to just you two. And maybe. For whatever reason. There's something about you two. Where it just. the The idea seems to be more fun. Than the actual thing when you get it it's almost like never it's like never being satisfied like the thrill of chasing something is always a lot more satisfying than getting it like getting the thrill of chasing a lovely lady I wouldn't even say chasing but the thrill of in the fact of talking in the build-up to the first time you kiss a girl and you know do some things is a lot more interesting and probably makes you feel a whole lot more alive than when you're just at home six years later and it's just another day. That means you can still enjoy each other and love each other, but you can't really recreate that fascination type of thing, right? I think, honestly, he was more in love with the fact of making it right to her as someone who's, a, I was more in love of making it right to someone than actually being considerate if they actually, if they're just doing this out of a generosity token, right? Man, she's the one. <laughs> I'm not crying. Jesus, like, my fucking, I can't breathe worth a shit today. I hate when out of nowhere you just can't breathe. Oh, Jesus, uh, asthma problems. But yeah, no, like it's uh, the one that got away. And I think he was really afraid that she was going to be the one that got away. And 
Now, she's the one that really got away with alimony. Whew. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it opens the discussion of, like, kind of men as a culture. Our first instinct is to always defend the man no matter what in situations. And I'm just kind of not... In today's world, I don't really defend anyone. I don't feel sympathy for him. I don't feel like this is a, this is a situation of a dude that just completely created his bed, lied in it. And I think, honestly, I do feel a little bit of empathy towards him in the sense that I, I don't feel like this, I don't feel like this was just out of negligence and um I don't feel like this was just because he was just like when he went on tour he's like I'm getting it in guys I really think like I really think this dude has a lot of personal issues and the same thing that people will justify why Kanye is a great artist and all that I you know what I'll use it I think this is why his music is very captivating uh Sam Hunt's music because it's very it's very uh it's very a dude that kind of is like I said before, he's very embattled and very struggles with his own validity and type of who he really is. And you know, like typically people say the thing they don't want the most and they talk about it, they don't want they end up having. I don't think he wanted to be a single father or in a baby daddy situation. I really think he wanted the great life. He was that close to just all of it being worth it. And I just think it goes to show that he just got in his own way. Um, but yeah, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, um, so yeah. <sighs> Jesus. I just think that, uh, I hope, I, I, I'm not going to be the first to jump. On this bandwagon of just shitting on him. Or shitting on her. Because like I said, we, we live in this kind of... Sorry for the brief pause, but my throat was fucked up. Um, I don't like that we live in this society where it's always... The the woman's this and woman's that. And there are situations that's warranted. And honestly, I blame the, the kind of manosphere for... Given a lot of these girls platforms, the worst girls possible, these platforms. And I understand the whole idea of this was to expose bad behaviors and it has. But I think at this point, when you keep giving the worst examples of what you're trying to get less and less of society. Um, I think you honestly just make more and more of it. Because all you're teaching girls... 
that are kind of young and kind of like, I don't know what to, all you're doing is showing, hey, if you act like this girl, you're like the Blue Jasmines, the Britney Renners of the world. You keep giving these girl platforms and you keep bringing them on these shows. And for you, it's just entertainment, all this stuff. But then you will shit on them and say they're this, that, and the other. And then you continue giving them platforms to up their platform, up their money, up their speaking engagements, up every single metric that matters and what they do. So then you continue bitching about them, but you keep on bringing them on. And I'm not some bring who you want. Like I'm all about, don't tell me who to bring on my show or not. But if you were going to preach, if you were going to preach about how these women are menaces and they're just here out to fuck you over, and then you promote it, up their antics, all you're teaching to the younger generation is that, oh, if you're like these girls, you're going to be highly successful and make a lot of money by finessing men and being a sugar daddy girl, whatever the fuck. And you're literally, ironically, the same thing you you think you're trying to prevent, you actually multiply by tens, thousands. Um, although I do think it was great to bring the exposure, but it's like, at this point, you're not really about building value at this point. You're just all about trying not to be perceived weak by the opposite sex. But... Sorry, went on a little tangent there. But when it comes to this situation, the reason why I really felt like it was important to talk about this is because it's a weird thing. This is why, one, you don't idolize people and people you enjoy their stuff, whether that's music, any type of entertainment. You should not, not that anyone is. But you should not look at me as an idol. You should not even look at your favorite musician as idols or role models. Role models are meant for people that actually directly, you know, have been face-to-face with you in your life. Um, And I understand not everyone has a father figure or something, but there's plenty of prime examples in real life that that have actually directly met you face-to-face. And have been in your life considerable. Those are real role models. That's not saying you can't see someone be like. I want to be like that person. But to call someone your role model. I don't know. I don't think you call someone your role model. If they're not in agreement. Like hey man. You're my role. Little model. <laughs> um, but. I, these people are flawed. People are very, uh, I think, I, I guess what I wanted to get about Sam Hunt specifically, because it's my podcast and he's my favorite artist, in case I forgot to mention that, is that this situation shows that you can make up for your wrongs, do everything you think, do everything right to win a woman back that you're in love with, be persistent, all that shit. And us men, we will do all this shit to win you back. And not only fuck it up, but fuck it up when there's actual real shit on the line. This situation, a child and their home, 
like now split real estate, whatever the hell that means. Like he didn't just like, hey, I cheated again. I fucked up. And maybe they get divorced. Maybe she probably gets alimony. And that sucks or whatever. But, you know, it's like at a certain point, like, you know, at a certain point, people have rights to be like, I'm good. I don't want to keep going through this shit, man or woman. And I don't care what the dudes say. Well, men have built-in value and women have to just preserve theirs. It's like, yeah. And guess what? And people could just be like, I'm good. I honestly think a lot of dudes these days don't actually take marriage for what it is. They try to make marriage just work for their financial and their built-in self-value that they don't really have to begin with. So they hide behind the marriage thing. To build this providing thing. They want their wife to stay home. And all this shit. And they do nothing. Except literally provide money. And can't literally do nothing else. Does nothing. When they come home. And they're the type of dudes to be like. Man when I get home. My woman better get the jergens out. And rub my feet and my shoulders. And give me head three times a night. It's like bro. You make 60000 a year. Relax. Alright. Yeah. You have a little savings. But relax bro. You can't even start the lawnmower. Relax. You can't even put up a basketball goal. Relax. Okay. Like. The dudes that talk the most about. They want. Th- their girls should just be like servants to theirs. But they do nothing to earn that quote unquote what. Basically they want the DJ Khaled treatment. It's like okay. When. When you start doing quad singles with Bieber, Quavo, and fucking Chance the Rapper, and Jack Harlow, whatever the hell, then you can demand these things. And all he could probably do is really money too. But the point is, is the point of marriage in like a household, this is just my point of view. I understand this is starting to get like, oh, you're moral, but like. I think when when I hear people talk about every time there's this high profile divorce or something, it's always just, yeah, are these divorces insane? Yeah. Like the Dr. Dre one, she wanted 200000 a month in alimony. Like, go fuck yourself. Honestly, regardless of how much money you make, I think there should be a maximum cap across the board. Like... I think, like, regardless if you may, like, let's say, like, just because Jeff Bezos makes $136 billion, it makes no sense to give someone else $78 billion or whatever the hell. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, hey, look, you get 100000 a month. Okay. It's still egregious, but whatever. Like, I do think there should be caps on a lot of this shit. Common sense skin should come into play in the courtroom. But, crazy thought. But... I think what what people when people talk about divorces and stuff in the situation they want to bring well you know you don't do that to a child and all this stuff it's like we again we don't really know what's happening we just want to defend someone that we like and enjoy that's why I've always had a problem with people that blindly defend Michael Jackson and blindly just defend R Kelly just cuz they like his music even though all their music and their songs, well, specifically R. Kelly and even Sam Hunt, there's a lot of foreshadowing to a lot of these problems that come to life. 
I guess when people say they sell their soul to the industry, I don't really look at it as like a uh, demonic. I don't really look at it as like uh freaking, you know, what is it called? Not Scientology, freaking, uh, I don't call it freaking, you know, the devil. I don't know, you know, but I think what it really means is basically if you're a musician, artist, and you're truly putting like a Drake. I really think my theory, like a reason why Drake is so like disattached from giving a fuck what women think about him these days, unlike back in the day, is one, he has so much fucking money. And honestly, I think he's put so much of his personal life out into songs. He kind of feels like he basically sold his feelings and emotions and vulnerability for the lifestyle lives. I think Sam Hunt literally. It doesn't get a lot more specific than drinking too much. It doesn't get a lot more specific than 2016. Like, a lot of these artists, they're literally selling the one thing that kind of makes you independently human that is only supposed to be shared to trustworthy people in your life, like your family, friends, and stuff. They're supposed to hold that close to them. But instead, 200 million people stream your biggest song. That chances are that biggest song, the reason why it's the biggest song, because it resonates with a lot of people, because pain resonates with a lot of people. That's why breakup songs are typically the number one songs charting. That's why Olivia Rodrigo is fucking, her whole album is just about gaslighting men, if we're going to be honest. Like, oh, you traitor. I know you didn't cheat. I know you this, but you're still a traitor. It's like, all right, what do you want me to do? All right. Yeah. You, you, you broke up with me and I started seeing some other girl. With my driver's license. What the fuck do you want me to do? Sit here and cry over you all day? But. You're basically. In, I think like Taylor Swift's kind of in that mold. Even though. I don't really look as like selling out. Because hey man. I'll tell you about all my breakups. Every single detail. If you hand me 50 million dollar checks. By all means. Uh, sorry. Whoever. Whoever it is. Is getting out there. Um. I'll give you a percentage, you know, I'll, I'll let you pay, I'll pay off your student loans with all these songs you gave to me, he literally said that in a song, you know, I'll pay off yours, that's kind of like literally you're selling yourself, you're, you're literally selling pieces of yourself, and there's only so much of yourself to give, I think that's my interpretation, I mean, you sell your soul to the industry, I, I don't literally take it as like, there's these exorcists, there's these uh, freaking Illuminati. That's what I was looking for. The Illuminati. Like, I don't think it's actually always like that. Um, But when you have the these artists that blow because they're so personal in these songs. Sam Hunt, one of the things is breaking up in a small town. Like, who can't relate that? And take your time. I don't want to steal your freedom. I don't want to change your mind. I don't have to make you love me. I just want to take your time. Like, Jesus Christ, this man. Let's see. Going down the list. Here's a new song. It's your favorite. Pretty soon you'll be chained in the station. If something about shoes. I don't know why I can't cite lyrics on the spot. I'm so... Like I said in the last spot, I can't recite lyrics for shit. Man, how many fucking times I've listened to that song? Here's a new song. It's your favorite. Pretty soon you'll be chained in the station. All your old shoes, looking brand new. They want to be warm, but they never get the chance to. And it's like, you go down the list of like almost all of his songs. It's a lot of like 
breakup and reminiscent on a girl in the past breaking up was easy in the 90s. Huh? Well, I guess he's about to find out that, yeah, I'm pretty sure he wishes this did happen in the 90s. <laughs> he wouldn't have to worry about it being covered on a podcast. Um, you know, I, I think it just kind of opens a... If you ever, like, again, not to keep going back to his catalog and music to kind of foreshadow all this, but I remember when I saw this, and you could kind of see in his interviews and his music, I'm not going to say he seemed more uh, repressed. He didn't seem like more, but he was a married dude. He's not out here, you know, having a house party. Oh, Jesus. Um, I guess, you know. He just kind of goes home. He doesn't. We can leave the night on. Uh, he uh he met a girl and she made me smile. She made me wait. She crossed the street. She crossed my heart. Um, it's definitely a man that kind of like he wants the fantasy and fascination of like the puppy love and all that shit. And then you can see, like, he has a hard time with the actual important part, which is the long stretch. He likes love when it's just a back-and-forth fast break. But, hey, man, this is a 162-game baseball season, man. Like, it's an everyday thing. Like, oh. And I will say this, though. His next album is going to be fire as fuck. Oh, Jesus. If there's ever one good thing or... Honestly, he may completely fall off the wagon in his personal life. He's either dropping an album in like a month and a half, and they're going to be like the, or probably three months, because he's probably going to write songs, and he may get that writer's thing, because he's been kind of apprehensive. He's kind of been better about putting out music recently, but like I said, he went through a long time where he really didn't. He was dead ass serious about, I'm getting my life right, because if my life's not right, all this music stuff doesn't mean anything without her. And then he fucked that up. And I'm not here shaming him for fucking it up. But it's like, man, like. Uh but yeah, man. It's um I I, I guess look, I'll I'll kind of wrap this pot up soon. Can't believe I'm about to talk an hour about a fucking man's divorce. Like it's a gossip show. But, um, I just think when you, when everyone knows your marriage, when everyone, this is why, this is why it's probably typically always best to kind of keep your relationship private in a lot of ways. And like they're married and stuff, so that was different. But he did put her name in a song, which kind of put her out there. So it's not like she could hide anymore. Like I think she actually, I think she actually, when that's when all the when the Montevello album came out, everyone knew, you know, who if you know, you know, like everyone that community and stuff and knew them and stuff, like knew that was about her, and it all came around. I believe she actually had to like quit her job, or she couldn't work because it was too much of a distraction, right? Because the album fucking blew the fuck up. 
but it's um I think you know he's just a uh, I think the same thing that makes him attractive from a music standpoint and look he's a nice looking fella no homo um same thing that makes him attractive to of listener is his combination of uh is his combination jeez my fucking no his combination of what's the fucking jesus fucking christ clan get it together um his combination of like charisma his combination of like reserved confidence but also very out there and he was a former quarterback. Oh yeah, by the way, he went, he played quarterback at UAB. Fun fact. Um, he's there's just this whole thing in his music. His lyricism was different. It was more R and B influenced, and of course, the production. People say it's not it's not country, but it's very R and B, very kind of rap cadence, very spoken word influence. But in a country way, not just like this country rap bullshit where it's just someone with the country voice just rapping. Like, he can actually sing and he bounces out a lot of that stuff very well. And he can actually play acoustically and sound fucking great. But I think that's his thing. He, I think behind kind of all this, he struggles with what identity music he wants to do. Because he's talking about he wants to do a bluegrass album. He wants to do like a pure, quote-unquote, traditional country. Because he's aware, like, yeah, look, I do a lot of different stuff. Like, I'm not your, I don't do average country music. Like, I my music is different. Like, I'm influenced by different things. And I appreciate his genuineness. And that's, I think, what makes him attractive. He appeals to a much mass audience that isn't just genre just isn't just country Mm. and i think that ticks country people off because it's someone outside of the genre trying to capitalize dabbling foot in foot out kind of like appropriating whatever and what makes him kind of uh sorry for the slow thinking i'm just my mouth is fucking dry no matter what i fucking do the past couple days I think just the thing that he just kind of has this thing about him that captivates with just about anyone. He has like, he's one of the few artists. And I said this with Three Days Grace. There's like one, two, maybe three artists where literally any song of theirs comes on and I like it at the very least. I can refer, I can reference lyrics off songs. I can, I can listen to an album top to bottom, no skips. It has repeat value. It's catchy as hell. Uh, it's very diverse in the way it's put together. The subject matter is interesting. Like, there's not many artists that do that for me. There's artists where I can like some albums. Um, but I can completely not give a fuck about the rest of their catalog. Some artists where I like spots of songs here and there, they have some consistent, decent music, but I'm not out here like trying to listen to their single drop when it comes out. It's like, yeah, I'll listen three weeks from now if I get a chance to it. Like him comes out at midnight, 1201, playing the, playing the album. 
I know there's a thing where I know I'm going to I know what to expect, but also don't 100% know what he's going to try different. I think with that, that's a positive. In fact, oh, he can do all. But at the same time, I do think part of that is he kind of struggles with his identity. And that could fess into his personal life. I don't want to speculate personal life, but just from a music standpoint, you know, it's cool to be very genre-bending, genre-diverse and all that stuff. But I think a lot of that also can kind of come with you're kind of, you struggle with identity, so you kind of dabble here, dabble there, they kind of find a way to meet halfway on some things, instead of actually going all in on one thing, and it's not always good to go all in in one direction, but um, I, I I do think it can kind of, when you, I think maybe he's kind of in this identity crisis musically and that's why he's kind of been sporadic with his putting music out there and I think when I think in a way that fits to his personal life because I know people don't want to hear this but (coughs) being single and divorced and actually dealing with like real pain now that he just put himself through he's probably going to have one of the most deep emotional real music that he's ever put out. But the cost of it was his personal life. And I guess that's kind of what kind of his personal life is kind of the sacrificial lamb for his music success. Because now, as fucked up as it sounds, this situation is going to make the build up to his next album. Not that that's my main concern for him now. Um, it's going to make the build up to his next album, like actually like have a storm behind it where the last album south side the thing he was relying on was just the six years in between there was a little bit of a build-up but it wasn't like a clash of holy fuck worldwide sam hunt's dropping it was more like hey sam hunt's dropping can't wait where i think this it's gonna be a very it's gonna be a lot closer to when like a drake or kanye drops an album like in terms of i'm not saying like those type of numbers by me and that type of in his genre, or even just like kind of in a general mass media music space, I think it it can have that type of buildup where this genre, where his next album is gonna have some legitimate because we can say we won't, we can say we don't care about musicians' personal life, but I just talked an hour about a personal situation that I have no business really getting that deep into. And I try really hard not to get too deep in their personal situation, only judging off his music that I'm very well versed in. And when you, and based off what I know, he's basically relies on the state of his personal relationships and love life, really. And if that's any indicator, this is going to have some real hard, Truth Serums, and I think maybe what could be different about this album, depending on the route he wants to go, is typically in past albums, it's always kind of like, I know, as I, I know, it's kind of like Drake, I know I cheated on you, but that gives you no right to ignore my phone calls. It's like, alright man. It's kind of like, hey, I know my Ronda, but girl, I miss you. What, why are you not calling me back? 
it's kind of like you get kind of that tone. I think maybe in this one, maybe in like a group, maybe there's a lot, kind of like the song 2016. He might have a song called 2022 because goddamn, it seems like hopefully not every six years he has to do these type of songs where it's just the name of the year. And it's like, hey, this year I really fucked up, my friend. Um, But I really do think that he it's going to be a lot more this kind of deep into the music stuff. But I really think this next album is going to be a lot closer to that type of music where it's a lot of reflection on him as a person and not just using situations to make himself kind of look, uh, I don't want to say look victim, but kind of look like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to make you regret breaking up with me. And she may think about it for a minute. She's going to look at her child, look at your child again. She's like, man, I really wish it would have worked out. And then she gets alimony check. And she might be like, eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's a pretty fucked up way of looking back. But no one, and I'm not, look, and no one, I don't, we don't know a whole lot about her personally. But based on what, she doesn't really seem like, she, she, she doesn't really care about the fame. She seems like she actually cares for him, for him, and loves him for him. So I don't think the alimony and separate housing thing is really something she is like dying to get. But I think with the child and everything, it's like, look, I'm going to be stay-at-home mom and take care. And I'm pretty sure he feels a lot of guilt and he's willing to pay for it. I don't think he's going to be a douche about it. And, you know, I just, uh, yeah. You know, but situations like these, you know, it makes that whole fantasy of winning the girl back. It's gonna make these. It's gonna make the guys think twice. Like you're gonna like I've fucked up. I'm gonna go spend the next four months doing what I can to win her back, and then they're gonna look at this situation and be like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> it's like if you're gonna do it, you better really like love that girl. And guess what? He really loved this girl. You hear the way he talks about, and I think it was a show. I, and I used to not be, I'll be honest, I used to not believe it that you could truly love someone and cheat on them. I think it's different for guys and girls. I know that sounds a bad way, but if you want to get into motivations for why guys cheat and girls cheat, you know, whatever. I do think, I do think there's an open gate where someone can cheat on you, but still have strong, have really deep loving feelings for you like still be in love with you or it's almost like they feel this weird they feel this deep regret over something they did to you but but I just think that all that can be true but they're just you know some people have issues they have self they have self-image issues they have self-value issues and their way of kind of constantly Re-self-evaluating and self-worth can be venturing out. I you know that's something I've grown to kind of understand. Like, not everything is necessarily about you in the sense of not every time someone cheats on you, it's about because of what you're not. Sometimes that could be the case. I'm not saying it's not. Sometimes people have issues that you have, you can't fix. No matter what you do, no matter what love or whatever you do or show them, 
No matter what, man, people have issues that were there before you. They have childhood issues. They have some previous boyfriend or girlfriend that fucked up their way of you. And then you fucked that up. And they're afraid that happened again when something's going too well. And it's like, it's kind of like the song Feeling Way Too Damn Good by Nickelback. It's like, something's got to go wrong because it's feeling way too damn good. It's like sometimes things are just going too all right. Not great, but they're just going too all right. And we find a way to fuck it up because it's not something extraordinary at that point in time. Um, as someone who has made that, not cheating, but I, I, I regret the one that got away. You know, there was a girl in my past. I'm not going to mention her name. I'm not going to do a Sam Hunt and put her name in a song. Um, unless it's like a positive thing that's not about that. Because I'm not a fan of putting personal business out. But I will say like. He's going to feel like that one that, except he got way farther in his venture. Um, but winning someone back and when you win someone back, it hurts worse to lose them the second time. And the one that got away, because all you could think about is you can't even be that mad the second time when they don't want to be with you because you fucked it up so much the first time that there was probably really no realistic chance that is ever going to work, and you really can't blame anyone but yourself, and realistically, you can never really make it right, and I have that one, I think both guys, I th- I'll say all guys have that one, um, and it makes you kind of more precious, and more considerate moving forward, and you know, the reason why that fuckery happened in my situation, and I think I relate to Sam in this aspect, is because, you know, there's a previous situation or previous girls of what you've been rewarded with before, and with the right girl, those things aren't rewarded. So, that's what it's like being a cynical lover boy. Alright, that's episode 115 of the Off and Beat podcast. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, suck some titties, and, uh, suck, let me redo that, and suck some titties, and follow all the app shit, yeah, you know the drill, alright, enjoy whenever the fuck this is out, ah, Jesus, my fucking throat, it was like a damn moth just went down there, and just like, hey, let me camp with you, fatty.